This is Our Point with Zach and Carmen. Good morning. Good morning. These mornings don't get easier. No, I I agree. And the thing that's funny about it is I normally wake up around this time. So why on days that we have to record, it's like, uh, I don't know. It's like school. Well, and then there's like a time crunch. Yeah. You can get up the same time, but then you can like ease in into bed your for morning. a little bit. Now we have to hit the ground oh. running because we're important journalists. Yes. How, how will you know? How will you go about your week without knowing what did Carmen and Zach think about the Oscars? It does remind me that um, we should unionize. You and me? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I continue to think about how, you know, our union membership, because um, I feel like I should get to be a union member in one of my jobs and I haven't been able to yet. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure we talked about this or four about how we were gonna i don't know could we be in the screen actors guild or something i mean even though we're not on screen or actors but there has to be a podcast union like radio disc jockeys right so anyways reminds me that we should unionize because i would have striked i would have voted for a strike today (laughs) (laughs) like like the minneapolis school teachers did you see that i keep meaning to do an article about them are they are they winning um, Not it's yet. loose to know if they won. They did win. They're going back to work today. They're out for three, three and a half weeks. So get this losing fact. They have to make up those three weeks of school. So they have to extend the school day by 42 minutes every day. And then they were supposed to get out of school on like June 10th or something. And now they get out of school on June 24th. Oof. That is rough. I mean, it was three weeks of unpaid strike time for them. So I'm sure it's nice to make up that paycheck, but. Yeah. At the expense of your summer. That's rough. And then the kids, they get, you know, less summer break time. Yeah. That, that wouldn't be good. Uh, Because Minnesota in March is not the same as Minnesota in June. No. And they were talking on the news last night about what that means for the for like the parks and rec department and all that stuff that need the little people to, Mm -hmm. to work. And now they are going to be without staff the beginning of the summer, the first month of June. So anyways, very interesting. I hope they got what they wanted. I know they wanted a pay raise um, because I think Minneapolis teachers are paid on average about $10,000 less than St. Paul teachers. So that's wild and bullshit. different school districts. So anyways, at least we, if we strike, let's make sure we don't have to like <laughs> make things up or something. <laughs> what else do you know over there? What do I know? I uh, went to three different birthday celebrations for the twins. It was a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was super fun. The My sister did a brunch, like a breakfast theme for the actual party day. So there was pancakes, bacon, two different kinds of egg bake. And then my mom made her syrup, which we all love. And that was delicious. And we had mimosas. So excellent party food. Are we at the point yet where the girls get to decide what they want for their birthday instead of your sister? Oh, yes. No, they have been. Okay. Uh, I believe they picked 
last year, which was mermaid, and this year, which was princess. Princess. Okay. And then I got to French braid their hair, and they wore princess dresses and boas. So, you know, the little feathers on a boa, they're called marabou. Okay. They get everywhere. Yes, A got everywhere. But that is a very important word to know. Okay. So I taught them marabou. I was like, is it in the wordle? Why is it important? Uh, From a costuming perspective, from like, I'd say a girl perspective. Because Mar- marabou is like on the I murdered my husband robes, you know, they're lined in the marabou. Feathers. I have been around ladies for a while. I've never heard even you say that word before. So we don't I'm have glad a lot of cause to wear marabou these days. I was I like, guess. is that something that girls talk about in private? <laughs> marabou? Yes. That's what they do? Our periods and marabou. Oof. Good thing I avoided those sleepovers. Um, yeah, that's a lot. I also had a busy weekend because I had to. I didn't have to. I got to look at that attitude yeah. adjustment. Yep. I love that. Thank mm-hmm. you. Thank you. Um, my future brother-in-law's bachelor party in Vegas. So I flew out on Saturday and spent most of Saturday at an airport, which was fine. It's fine. We, we survived. Then I got there and pretended to be a, a sports fan. Love Ooh. me the sports. Go mm-hmm. sports. And then I perfected, and I didn't perfect because I've always been good at my Irish goodbyes, but good mm-hmm. Irish goodbye to go to bed by myself. <laughs> like, okay. okay, you guys are all a little bit. So I'm going over here. And then um, day two was uh, more sports, sports talking, lots of, lots of sports talk. I learned a lot about, um, well, I didn't really learn anything. I didn't. Didn't really pay. You just let it wash over you. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of retention. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There was a lot of head shaking and oh uh, yeah, right, yeah, brah. And then um, <laughs> did we you wear your cat backwards? <laughs> yeah, I did actually when I went <laughs> to the swimming pool because that's <laughs> what apparently had to do. So I went to the pool and then top golf, um, and then another casino for for food and drinking. And then everybody got too too much drinks. Too much drinks. I mean, the pool's what it really gets you. Nobody really yeah. thinks that it's going to get you, but. But it does every time. Every time. Um, You're not as sunburned as I expected you to be. It was cloudy. I mean, and I know that the UV is supposed to go through the clouds, but I applied a tiny bit of sunscreen. Mm, good job. And was prepared to just be lobster. But no, I think you when you prepare good. to be a lobster, it doesn't happen. But when you don't prepare mm. to be a lobster. Well, I think the question on everyone's mind is, was yours better? Oh, you know what I've learned? This is what I've learned. Guys and girls bachelor parties are dramatically different. Um, And I would say that my bachelor party was much more in line with a girl's bachelorette party um, than a straight dude's bachelor party. Because there's no plans. There's, There's no plans at a dude's bachelor party. Nobody knows what's happening. Nobody <laughs> thought to get a dinner reservation. Nobody thought to book a time at the pool in Vegas. Nobody even looked like what is happening in Vegas. <laughs> so th- there's a difference in, in some planning. Um, you know what else there isn't? Gift bags. There's no gift bags. There's no. Nobody got well, you a gift bag? There's no gift bags. They didn't. There's like no. I had to buy my own Advil. No. 
because it wasn't like a prepackaged tote. So no gift bags, no planning. Sports. A lot of sports happen at the boys, the boys' bachelor parties. Um, and I don't even know if they all like sports, but apparently that's that's what we do. Well, it was my understanding during March Madness, we all like sports. Sure. They weren't even talking about basketball. That wasn't even a sport we were discussing. What other sport is happening? Hockey, Carmen. There was hockey. Oh. Because okay. college hockey is going on at the same time. And pro hockey is happening right now. So anyways, hockey was what? We, yeah, we weren't even talking about the one sport that I was prepared to talk about. <laughs> I was like, hello, you guys, have you seen that peacock team? Hello. Everybody's <laughs> talking about the peacocks. Um, so, yeah, no, no planning. I did keep waiting for the strippers. I was like, this is where I'm going to shine. The strippers are going to come out. And I know how to do strippers. Nothing. They didn't even show up. Oh like, my god! But it goes back to point one: no planning. So, I know. So yes. So that's the difference. Girls and mine were better. <laughs> so that's no kidding. You had strippers. Abby had strippers. You have to have strippers, isn't that the whole point of a bachelor party? I thought so. I thought that's where they get in trouble. That's what I was thinking. I was like, okay, the part where everybody gets in trouble is when the strippers show up. Nothing. So um, it was good. We survived. Again, got there late on Sunday or Saturday, left. First flight out on Saturday morning at six of the clock. Let me tell you how hungover I was. Monday morning. Thank you. Um, Because I got like four hours of sleep on Monday and drink too much. But I was the least. I can hold my shit together better than the other people, apparently. <laughs> um, But. I did think a couple of times about just missing my flight because too early and you're like, I'll get home eventually. Yes. There were some deep breathing exercises that were, were necessary. And then it's like, well, my eyes look, were super bloodshot and <laughs> it was back to the, am I going to make it um, time frame? And I went to the airport and I went to the wrong gate. I went to the wrong check, like security check-in before I realized that I was at the wrong spot. Cause I remember going into like security and I was like, gosh, this does not look familiar, but <laughs> maybe they did some renovations in the three months I haven't been here. And then I got all the way into security past the TSA person. And finally some nice lady as I'm about to go through the metal detector was like, you know, you're at the wrong gate, you and the D gates, this is B. And I was like, Yep, that makes a lot more sense. Everything's starting to click. So that's how that's how hungover I was. I didn't even know where I was at, but I was following the people. But we made it. So that's the update on Vegas. I'm not rich. I didn't win anything. That's the other oh. part that's sad. I know. But that's annoying. At least my Monday morning was not as bad as Will Smith's Monday morning. Did you see that? Mm. <laughs> This was the other thing that I realized would have been different than a gay's bachelor party. I wouldn't have planned a bachelor party when the Oscars were happening. Do you know how much FOMO I had during the (laughs) sports talk that I was like, they were doing some sports betting. And I was like, okay, but can like, can I bet on like whether or not Jessica Chastain's going to win an Oscar or not? 
Um, and then I was too embarrassed to like go find out, but then I had to like keep checking the interwebs, nothing, nothing, nothing. Boom. Will Smith <laughs> all over the internet. <laughs> and then I was super mad that I was missing the Oscars. So I'm sure everybody's talked about it a million times, but Will Smith walked up, bitch slapped Chris Rock during the Oscars. Yeah. That was wild. And do you want to know why? Because he has a thin skin. Uh, no, because Chris Rock said the word Macbeth in a theater. Oh, is that a thing? That, is that the horoscope? I did see some headline that was like his horoscope or something predicted that. Well, it's more that you're not allowed to say Macbeth in a theater because it will curse you. It'll curse the show. It, it's like it's very, very bad. Very bad luck. Everybody wasn't knows it, this. Wasn't Particularly that a movie? Wasn't Macbeth a movie? Yeah, you must have to have some like <laughs> crystals and spells and like the corpse of William Shakespeare. I don't know how you get away because you can actually perform Macbeth. I would imagine. But, but you're not when you are not actively performing it, then you you just refer to it as the Scottish play oh. or like after the Dumbledore thing. And they're like the show that cannot be named, whatever. Okay. But yeah. He said it, and theater kids around the world were like, <gasps> and then, like, that's not good. And then Will Smith came up, slapped him across the face. And you're like, well, you brought that on yourself. Yeah. And I, that's your curse. I, 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 um, I don't know how this, I, <laughs> Will Smith, I need, I know there's a lot, there are some people that are on the pro Will Smith category that, he shouldn't be able to make jokes about his wife, but it was a pretty tame joke. And to be fair, I think most of us did not realize that Jada Pinkett Smith had alopecia. So I would assume that Chris Rock was not watching the Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith constant press press tour that they're constantly on lately as they love to talk about their marriage and how she was ch- cheating or what did they have like had a slip up or something like that? Yeah. I in their, anyway, so it just, it was wild. And I don't think this is going to end well for Will Smith and not that they're going to take his Oscar away or anything like that. Cause that's some talk in there. Um, but you know, the Academy is now doing their fancy informal review, but to, right. this morning, if CBS. Harvey Weinstein gets to keep his, then Will Smith gets to keep his. Yeah, 100%. But the CBS News had an article by Jordan Freeman today that Will Smith apologized for slapping Chris Rock at the Oscars, calling it unacceptable and inexcusable. Here's how I know that this, this apology was complete publicist is because Will Smith, you know, won his Oscar 45 minutes after walking up mm-hmm. and slapping Chris Rock and apologized to everybody Except, Except for mm-hmm. for Chris Rock. So don't believe it. This is some damage control, but the damage control probably should have been done on Sunday or Monday morning, not end of day Monday. Um, and he goes, he basically talks about violence in all forms is poisonous and destructive. My behavior last night at Academy Awards was unacceptable and inexcusable. Jokes at my expense are part of the job. Mm-hmm. 
but joke about Jada's medical condition was too much for me to bear, and I reacted emotionally. I would like to publicly apologize to you, Chris. I was out of line and I was wrong. I am embarrassed and my actions were not indicative of the man I want to be. There is no place for violence in the world of love and kindness. I would also like to apologize to the Academy, the producers of the show, all attendees, and everyone watching around the world. I would like to apologize to the Williams family, my King Richard family. I am I deeply regret that my behavior has stained what has been an otherwise gorgeous journey for all of us. <laughs> I was not following along. What was that last word? Yeah, I said gorgeous. Isn't it gorgeous journey for all of us? That's where I'm at this morning. Uh, anyways, I'm still a work in progress. Like what? In his in his speech, you know, he talked about being a vessel of love and all that shit. You know what people do when they when they love and they don't like violence? They don't walk up and bitch slap people. It's kind of like a quite an like a dog whistle to anybody who's been in an, an abusive relationship where they say that they act out and become crazy out of because they love too much, right? Right. They love you sure. so much that I just go crazy. Um, and that's again, Chris Rock and Jada Pinkett Smith have been in the media for 30 plus years, as Chris Rock or as Will Smith has probably been <clears throat> one of the biggest actors of all time. So there are always jokes. They're always being talked about. And then now they've been very public about their lifestyle and all of that shit. And a little teeny joke about Jada Pinkett Smith being on G.I. Jane 2 made Will Smith lose his mind is crazy. I was talking to Michael and I was like, I really do feel like if you are, no matter how mad you get, there's a special type of person that's able to take the not control or anger and have to like physically like whack somebody. Like you're a special kind of crazy person in my books. If you can't control yourself, let alone knowing that you're, you're live on television on like one of the biggest nights of your career and you can't hold your shit together. Like it would have been different if it happened like backstage when nobody was paying attention to it. But well, Smith knows that he was on camera. What? Yeah. I thought the whole thing was weird and not that it like was staged by any means, but it, that, it just didn't, it didn't compute for me. And I'm looking for the post and I can't find it, but basically there was <clears throat> someone had shared on Facebook, like, okay, white people, like, this is your time to shine. You read white fragility. You did the work, you followed the things you talked to your black friends. And now you have several opportunities on what to do. And one of them was acknowledge that you don't have all of the information in this situation and don't give any hot takes. Um, and that was really kind of playing back and forth on Twitter, like white Twitter and black Twitter had vastly different interpretations of what happened and why things happened. And, um, I just thought that was really interesting because I thought from my perspective that that was pretty cut and dried what happened. Well, um, I mean, I've seen that too, right? Like I've seen the one that's like, okay, white folks, this is where you just don't get to say anything. Right. But I'm pretty sure that slapping or punching or physically assaulting somebody, regardless of the situation, even if Chris Rock was in the wrong for making a joke at Jada's expense, I'm pretty sure we're, isn't it like assault in general is just bad? Yes. Yes. Okay. That's what I don't understand about that comment. Um, 
or that 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 thing, right? Like it, again, clear and dry. It doesn't mean that what we have to agree that what Chris Rock said was great, or that Will Smith shouldn't like get some kudos for standing up for his wife, who I think could handle this situation on her own. But um, I don't know. It was just it was weird all the way around, and I think Will Smith is going to learn that this will probably be the demise of his career in my opinion <laughs> like he you think so i i assume by next month no one will care like nothing will happen will... to his nothing will happen to his isn't there another award show coming up like no this is done this They're was the end now. yep the oscars is the end i mean i think look he'll probably make movies and still be super rich but i think will smith has always had this image that he is a good guy right like here's your ellen degeneres moment Sure. Like that you were a good guy, upstanding, congenial, all that shit. I think it will go down as probably one of the craziest things that's ever happened at the Oscars forever. Yes, I do. So think. it will always I be talked about that. when Will Smith dies, there will be a line in his obituary that talks about the fact that he went up on stage during the Oscars when he won and bitch slapped somebody. You know what I mean? I just think like, yeah, welcome to your. For sure. We'll revive this whole thing next year during the Oscars because we'll 100%. be talking about. And it's like, mm-hmm. will he get to go and present at the Oscars again? Will he? I don't know. It just seems wild to me that he couldn't keep his shit together. But oof. Also, oof. <laughs> I, I also have seen some stuff that's like, because obviously I was watching The View on the plane and the ladies on The View were talking about it. And Joy Behar, Behar was honestly being like, look, this is why this sh- these shows are so miserable is because we want our comedians to be edgy and lively and keep the show entertaining. And part, I mean, you have to make jokes at the people that are sitting there, right? Because you're at this millionaire party for themselves. And so how do you make it engaging for other people? It's like Ricky Gervais at the Golden Globes. That's what made the show so great. But now you have... <laughs> what if you make a joke about somebody being bald, which again, was very... A not a cool joke. It wasn't great. It wasn't a great joke in general. And I would assume, and I'd like to hear Chris Rock say that he probably didn't know that she had alopecia or whatever. Right. Um, but then what now you get bitch slapped by the audience members? Like, why would anybody do that job? Uh, what I like keep thinking about is G.I. Jane is a really old movie. <laughs> like, that's not even like a topical reference. No. But that's like a 20 year old movie. And therefore, yeah, longer than like, that. It's like probably almost 30 years old. So I, that's what I was like, nobody's pointing out. Like, it's not a particularly like good or funny joke, but I was like, it's so old. It so is old. That's kind of what I thought. I do want to, sp- you have mentioned Jessica Chanstein. And what I read about her oh. was that she skipped the red carpet. And made sure that she was sitting in her seat uh, to support her makeup team because they were up for an Oscar. Yeah. Oh, that's and, nice. And that was um, done before the telecast. It was one of the. And the yep. And that pre- was done before. And she was she was sitting in her chair ready to support them. And and they won. Um, I thought so that, that's good. I thought that was super cool. And my God, that purple dress. She looks stunning. She's gorgeous. Um, and there are some good. There are going to be some good gifts and some good images of crowd reactions to the Will Smith debacle. <laughs> especially nicole kidman nicole kidman i was just saying nicole kidman was the best one i've seen so the last couple of years remember she did the one clap where her hand was weird <laughs> and then now she has this one and the best thing that i have seen is that um 
you probably don't realize this, but Nicole Smith does like the opening for AMC movie theaters. Okay. Where she talks about like how great it is to be back in the theater, right? And she's by herself and she has her popcorn and she's like watching a movie on the screen. And so there was the picture of her reaction with her O face and her hand going crazy, right? <laughs> and then it comes when Nicole Kidman finds out that she's not at an AMC theater for the show. <laughs> it's like it's so great. So um yeah. Um, and that one girl won for, and I haven't seen the new West Side Story, mm-hmm. um, but a queer Latino lady again won. And the only Latinos that have won, female Latinos who have won an Oscar, have won for the same role 60 years apart. Rita Marino is the only other Latino lady to win an Oscar. And so now the second is literally the same part in the same movie. How weird is that? And also not not acceptable. Yeah, I was like, very weird and and not so good. Not so great. So that's my Oscar recap. Will Smith takes it. I thought the hosts were fine in the clips that I watched. So, mm. yeah. um, well, I you mentioned Will Smith asking, did he actually ask for forgiveness or did he just apologize? He just, he just public public yeah. apologized because he does, I mean his publicist apologized. Sure, sure, sure. So I found a really interesting article on Vox talking about forgiveness, mm. and uh, it's Rachel Wilkerson Miller, and it's called "How to Forgive Someone Who Isn't Sorry." Oh. And some people will never admit wrongdoing, but it is still possible for you to move forward. And apparently, this is part of their. They have a series on America's struggle for forgiveness. But I thought this was fascinating. So if you think about being betrayed or somebody has wronged you and like how visceral and how physical that feels. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes a person was like, can you, they see the error of their ways. Can you ever forgive me? And then you have to like, you have to decide you're going to show them mercy or you're going to hold on to the grudge forever. I'm a grudge holder. Yes. Um, But if the circumstance is shifted and someone isn't that sorry, um, what, what do you do and how do you deal with yourself and not deal with them? And so this article talks about expanding your view of forgiveness and it's not excusing what the other person did, their behavior was wrong, it will always be wrong, et cetera. But it is to think of forgiveness separately from reconciliation um, and accountability. So I don't have to hold you accountable. We don't have to reconcile and come to a place of mutual acceptance. Forgiveness is something um, for you. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's just, it's, the whole article goes on to talk about forgiveness is a moral virtue, like kindness, honesty, and patience, um, which are typically focused on how they benefit others. But this is something that you do um, regardless whether or not someone has earned it. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, okay, it looks like a paradox, right? Cause I'm still like, I can't forgive them because it absolves them of whatever they did. Yeah. And that's why they say forgiveness is like a paradox. It appears to be a contradiction, but it is not. 
because it feels like you're doing all of the giving and the other person is getting all of the getting and they haven't fucking earned that. But you have to look at it as you're doing it for you, not for as that. the forgiver. You get the experience. Um, okay. And it studies have shown people who go through the process of forgiving someone characteristically have a reduction in the clinical variables of anger, anxiety, and depression, and an increase in self-esteem and hope for the future, uh, which is fascinating. So once you remove reconciliation as the goal, it is easier to see how forgiveness will benefit you. Um, uh, if not more, as much as, if not more than the other person. So that gives you the opportunity to fully cut off your mental connection to them. And that's where the article really turned around for me. Cause you're right. If you forgive them and then they just become nothing to you, as opposed to this person that's taking up all this mental, you know, they're like, Mm -hmm. don't let them live rent-free in your head or whatever. It's true. Now you've, you've cut them off. So you don't feel anything for them. And don't let losing stand in the way of forgiving someone that mm, really spoke to me that I was like, "Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. don't like losing. I see what you're doing there. Um, If you hang on to the anger, it will empower you for a while. But characteristically over time, it brings us down with fatigue, rumination and becoming more pessimistic. So I woke up too late and did not read this beautiful article, but I feel like I should go back and read it. So I'm just curious. Did they talk about like forgiveness of somebody who's still like a part of your life. Cause I can do the forgiveness thing where like I forgive them and then never have to think about them again because I just like cut them out. Mm-hmm. But what about the people that are like still there? So they give you a little workbook on Ooh. how to do this. Okay. Because that is, and they mention in here, um, like your relationship with your parents or a parent, oh, yep. because that, that is a circumstance of someone that you need to forgive um, for you, but you can't obviously get away from them. So they talk about the uncovering phase, the decision phase, the work phase, mm-hmm. which is the stand in the pain, sit in your shit kind of pain. Okay. And then um, you may realize over time that that um, increases your empathy for other people You become more patient with strangers or less judgmental uh, because you have a new understanding of how others might be struggling because you've put in all of this work. And they say, like, you just can't jump into this and be like, okay, um, this happened yesterday and I'm ready because you're not ready to do the work. Like it it kind of comes as a um, as a process. But then she does at the end talk about things, how things evolve. over a lifetime and you're really in relationships with many people over the course of a lifetime. And so you, so they say talking forgiving a parent might seem different when you have kids of your own, mm. it'll either heighten it because you're like, um, I'm managing to parent without, you know, violence or chaos or poverty or whatever, or you maybe have a little bit more empathy with what they were going through because now you're going through it yourself. Makes sense. This other woman, sorry, one more story. They talk about in my late twenties, she was deeply estranged from her mother. um, And over the lifetime, she wound up taking care of her at the end of her life. And that's what she chose and wanted to do because of the forgiveness that had happened um, previously. These people are so good. I, um, 
took a an ethics in business course recently. Oh. <laughs> Why yes. Um, and they had this like framework of the evolution of ethical decision making. And they were talking, there's like six stages, right? Of evolution. And most people only get to like a three or a four. But then there's some people that like basically become Jesus at the end of this, right? Because they're so ethical. But forgiveness wow. was one of the like being able to actually execute and do the practice of forgiveness was like stage five. So like very close to sainthood. And basically the whole thing was like, most people can't get, can't like, just can't get to this phase. And I think that's true. Right. Like, I think some Mm -hmm. people, you just, it's something that you very much have to work at. And I'm very, I'm always impressed by the people that like actually say that they forgave like the murderer of their child or Mm -hmm. all of those people on death row. Like, and, and, when they say it, it very much feels like they mean it. Um, and I think f- forgiveness is not necessarily acceptance or um, that you have to forget it. And so I think that sometimes we like interchange the word forgiveness with either acceptance or the ability to forget that it ever happened. And I mm-hmm. don't think that that's the same thing. Right. And so it's really about getting past the emotion of it is the forgiveness component, right? Not that you have to go back and be friends with these people. Um, so I think that's interesting. I would say that you and I are sometimes not the best forgivers of all time. Um, and I love you, but I would say you're, you're worse than me. I, I fully admitted that yeah. at the beginning of the article. <laughs> yeah, so, no, I'm just. I was like, I have enough self-awareness to I'm understand that. Bookending it. Um, but I think the interesting I just want to thing, remind everybody. Yeah, that Carmen is a, a worse at apologizing than I am. Um, but I, what I would like to talk about, and I don't think it's in here. Or am I is, the best apologizer? Like why you, sometimes you make decisions and you understand that some people might not like your decisions. It might, but I think there's a conscious thing that we as individuals, and I don't know if this comes from like, everybody gets a participation trophy, but sometimes I'm not sorry for the decisions or things that I did. I mean, it's not that I had bad intentions, but then it's like, well, it really is the apology of like, I'm sorry that that hurt your feelings. That wasn't what I was trying to do, but then that's not a good enough apology for some of those people. But like, what do you do when you're actually not sorry? Clue. Sometimes I'm not actually sorry. I would do the same thing over and over again. I, yes, I, I have also encountered that circumstance. Yes. Um, I am not sorry. Um, and then that is either the, that's where I have the most problems. The, well, and I think that's the reconciliation part. So you decide between the two of you, is this, if this is okay, or I'm going to get over it, or I'm not going to get over it. Then the other person says, I, I don't accept that. I don't accept your, your behavior in that way. And now I want to be done for a while. Yes. I mean, and that's the whole point, I guess, of this article is that it's never about the other person. It's always about you. Right. And so the forgiveness journey and all of that has nothing to do with the other person or necessarily what they did. It's about how you choose to process that. So Mm -hmm. I'll try and post this on our Facebook page because it was a really, it was a really good article. That's deep. This is some self-care first thing on a Monday morning, Tuesday, (laughs) Tuesday morning. (laughs) Oof. (laughs) 
All right. Do you do you need a break for a minute? I need a break. I need to catch me up. So there was a, a thing that happened last week that I wanted to make sure we didn't forget about because I was very sad when I saw this. And that was that uh, Secretary of State Madeleine Albright passed away last week. And I was so sad about it. She did? I don't think I heard that. What? You didn't know that Madeline Albright died last week? No, I don't think I saw a single thing. <laughs> it was a really, it was on, it was a, it was a rough week. Um, but yes, well, that's why I have the article about. <laughs> thank goodness. Right. I can't even, it's the New York Times. I can't even read the article. I'll have to well, go look. There up. was more than one oh. places, but anyways, I don't R. feel R. like P. clearly it got the, the attention that she deserved in her passing because obviously there was Ukraine and a whole bunch of other shit that was going on. But Madeline Albright passed away last, I want to say it was like Thursday. Um, yeah, Thursday at 84. She had cancer, which we didn't know about, which I guess they can keep some secrets to themselves, but I would have preferred to know about it. Um, <laughs> so would have I, apparently. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and of course, she was the first female Secretary of State there was a lot of obits that were written about her that were pretty powerful that talked about her um, her childhood, right? She's a kid from the Soviet, from so from former Soviet countries, Soviet satellite black countries. I think she was from Czechoslovakia is where she grew up. But obviously her family um, evacuated or tried to get away during um, World War II. They left their, their home and she... They fled to um, England, and then after World War II happened, they went back to Czech, Czechoslovakia, and that's when the rise of Stalin and all of those came up. So they fled again and were refugees in the United States at that point. So I think she moved to the States full-time as a refugee or immigrated, I guess, um, when she was 11. Um, and so she talked about through the course of her time as secretary of state that she was very, that she was a, a huge advocate, obviously for the United States and the power of diplomacy and um, you know, what it meant to be a refugee. And um, she obviously was really instrumental in Bosnia and Rwanda through all those diplomatic um, times during the, the Clinton presidency. She obviously became a, lifelong friend of Hillary Clinton through this. There was a time where Hillary Clinton, she talks about, so my article was obviously from the New York Times and it's an opinion piece by Hillary Clinton titled Madeleine Albright warned us. And she was right. Um, speaking about Putin in particular, she was a harsh critic of, of Russia and Putin. Um, as she clearly knew what it meant to have your home <laughs> as a part of the iron curtain and the, the Soviet bloc. But she talked about how she was at one time Madeleine Albright before she was secretary of state was the UN ambassador. And she was on the plane with Hillary Clinton as Hillary Clinton was getting ready to go over to Beijing for the, that women's conference where she said that women's rights are human rights and yada, yada, yada. Um, so Madeleine Albright was looking over Hillary's speech on the plane and apparently <laughs> Madeleine like got done reading the speech and just like handed, handed it to Hillary and asked her like, what's, what's the purpose of your speech? And Hillary said that she wanted to push the envelope as far as she could. And then Madeline like handed it back to her and said, well then do it. 
Um, and um, that was great. There was a couple of images that went around, which I don't think are in this article of um, it wasn't until Madeline that this could happen. And it was a picture of Hillary Clinton and Madeline Albright hiding in the bathroom, like getting briefed on something. Um, so it wasn't until Madeline Albright came around that she could get briefings in the ladies rooms. Um, so that was funny. Obviously, Madeline Albright was, was famous for her. Um, there's a special place in hell for women who don't support other women and which agreed, mm-hmm. <laughs> absolutely mm-hmm. agreed. And sadly that became controversial in Hillary Clinton's run in 2016. We became too sensitive to, to that stance. Um, but I just thought it was a, a really great piece from Hillary that obviously talked about her friend. They both went to, um, what's the college walls, Wesley, the women's college. Yep. Um, and they graduated 10 years apart. So they signed all of their letters, dear 59 and love 69, um, based on the year that they graduated. Um, there was a funny piece in here that Henry Kissinger apparently was upset that he was no longer the, the first and only foreigner to become a secretary of state, which at the time is really is the highest post that somebody who was born from another country can really get into um, in the United States government. And Madeleine Albright said, you're right, but you will be the only secretary of state that speaks with a foreign accent back to him really, really fastly. So there was that. She's like, you're right, but you will be the only secretary of state that speaks with an accent. And I was like, Ooh, girl, that was, that was, that was a little tough. Um, but there's all these great pictures of her going toe to toe with, you know, the Kim Jong, the first dictator of, of North Korea, all of these people in the Saudis, Hillary Clinton talks about how somebody asked Madeleine Albright what it was like to be the first woman. And if you went to these Middle Eastern countries and stuff that have never seen a woman diplomat, if they treated her poorly. And apparently she said, of course not, because when I step out, I have this gigantic plane behind me that says the United States of America. So I've never, um, she just seemed like she was a, a boss. Well, we know she was a boss. I right, got to yeah. see her once, like from afar at a fundraising event. Um, and she was tiny. She was, you know, like five foot one. There's all of these women that are just little teeny people that are just out there kicking ass and taking names. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so if you haven't heard that Madeline Albright passed away, take a minute and go <laughs> read something about her. I'm sure her, her TV or her funeral would be on TV. Um, all of the flags are still at half staff for her until her funeral. So um, if you wonder where the flags are at half staff, it's because of Madeline Albright. Um, yeah. Thanks for catching me up there. I can't believe that. I'm so really, sad. really feels like every feminist newsletter that I get really kind of let me down. Yes. Yes, 100%. Um, okay. Well, the antithesis of <laughs> Madeline Albright is basically lack of ambition. Mm, she ain't got no time for that. No. Hillary, Madeline, Kamala, <laughs> yeah, lots of ambition. Like, get your shit together. Um, but I, I am lacking. I have a significant lack of ambition and so does this um woman who's talking about 
the last two years during the pandemic, this is um, the cut, which is part of New York Magazine. Mm-hmm. It's called "Losing My Ambition" by Emil Niazi, and basically, she talks about how she was a young woman of color, and she like hustled and hustled and hustled, and she knew that hard work was really going to be the only thing that got her out of poverty. And she joked that she's like, actually, I chose journalism. So it wasn't quite the wealth focus that I could have had, but she knew that ambition was the only way to security and stability and comfort. However, Mm -hmm. worked super hard, ended up facing um, structural inequity as a woman of color in the newsroom. And then of course she got pregnant as some women are wont to do. And then now she has to fight working women in her age, in her early 30s. Mm, And mm. what she looked up, what her, um, according to Payscale, which studies salaries, women with a bachelor's degree hit their peak earnings at age 44, making a median salary of $66,700. And so she was like, if this is as good as it gets, and I like, I'm going to work super hard and I'm never going to get more than that like that's and so she ended up applying for new higher paying jobs um but then she had another kid and but now she had to focus motherhood and what that means with her ambition and um you have to talk about how important your time is and it's finite and so where are you spending it since she quit her job to freelance thinking then she could like spend more time being a person and then the pandemic hit and um, oh no, first, then she had a second kid and then she was like, I need an, I need a proper job. Like I need stability. But then after the pandemic hit, like it's parenting and work and how we don't have childcare and we're expected to maintain our jobs and the role of caregivers. And in this space where you, this never ending space, basically. Mm-hmm. And um I was looking for the line that really hit me about how we were expected to give up everything. Oh, here it is. Um, Despite Kim Kardashian's recent insistence that nobody wants to work these days, people have never worked harder for less, have never given up as much of themselves over to capitalism in order to grasp at a fraction of a fraction of the Kardashians' enormous wealth. And people want to work, and we have to. But we are no longer willing to trade our well-being for a chance to claw at the decaying American dream. There is a renewed focus on relationships, community, and the slow beat of life outside the gaslit gatekeep girl boss ethos. 2020, 2022 may be the year my ambition truly dies. And to that I say, good riddance, bitch. Um, okay, two thoughts. One, remind me of my parting thoughts to talk about the Kim Kardashian piece. Let okay. me go back to that. Um the part of this story that is interesting to me, and I think this is a dynamic that I don't necessarily understand because clearly I'm not a woman. Um, so say that on the front end, there's my apology on the front end for the forgiveness that I'm not going to get on the back end. <laughs> but it, it reminds me a lot of, I've seen a couple of articles, but Katanji Brown Jack, Jackson, the Supreme Court justice, or who mm-hmm. will become a Supreme Court justice brought this up in her speech that you know she apologized to her daughters that, you know, she was busy and tried to be the best that she could be, but, you know, she was focused on her career and look what happens when you can do all that. Right. And so um, I, I think about my own mom who mm-hmm. 
you know, clearly had three kids and went back to school and has a career and is very, very busy. And there were lots of times where she didn't get to show up at sporting events or other things, or she came in late. Or sorry, I can't pick you up because I chose to do work. And um, this notion that you can have it all, I think, is the problem with it. when I hear about this article, right? It's this idea that you can have it all, and some things don't take sacrifice, or you you can't be at a hundred on everything. Um, and so it is. I, I think there is this conflicting message that sometimes we we hear and other women put out that you can do it all right, which sure, but I, that doesn't necessarily mean that you give the same hundred percent effort to all of it. And sometimes different things have to take different priorities. And so I don't know. I just, part of me in this article is like, bitch, stop complaining. You don't have to be the world's best mother and be the highest of your earning potential. Or if you do want super high earning potential, then you don't get to probably have your own personal identity where you get to go out and have brunch and do a bunch of other fun things with your friends and do this for your own self-gratification, right? Like this idea that some of these things don't take sacrifice or that some of these things don't suffer because you want to do certain things, I think is crazy. Does that make sense? Um. Yeah. I mean, I... I didn't, I didn't see it as, as whining. And this is just, this is her opinion of what she's doing. I used to be really ambitious. It, it did not serve me. And so now I'm doing other things. Yeah. But um, I mean- because I think too, the, um, you're, you're working and working and working. And what I have learned is like, what does it get you? <laughs> like, and I keep working in nonprofits and not in corporate jobs where I think there's generally like a better structure for like promotion and moving up in the corporate ladder because there's no nonprofit ladder. Um, so you just find yourself like I'm making sacrifices. I'm working more hours. I am giving up brunch so I can, you know, go to the legislative coffee for which I do not get paid for to therefore be better at my job and you end up with a percentage of a raise that is less than the rate of inflation. Yes, so but, that's what I interpreted. But the part of, of like, that that is the part of that story that is missing is that to if you wanted to move up the ladder, you could, but there are decisions that we have made that make that impossible, right? For example, like if you wanted to move up the nonprofit ladder, there is only so high of a ladder in Sioux Falls, right? So if you really wanted to be a mover and shaker and make more money, or if it was working hard to like have a more robust decision-making job, like you might have to move, you might have to give up like being in your comfy house that you enjoy and being close to your family. If you really wanted to do those things. So to like, there's a part of it that I get like, okay, I'm working really hard and I'm not making six figures. Well, it's like, you're right, but there are things because you're capable and you're talented that if you really, if that was really, really important to you, you could do it. You 100% could be uh, making more money. You probably could be in a higher position, but it would have to make sacrifices to do that, right? Yes. And I, well, and my interpretation of the piece was that she's no longer willing to make those sacrifices. Yes, but and I don't so, think that's a difference of like she- ambition. It just means you've made other choices. I sure. I don't, I don't know. That's my 
think of it like okay, I have to look you're, up the actual <laughs> the actual definition of ambition but that that ma- it made sense to me that I am no longer chasing that which serves me well I just think your your priorities have changed yes and she's saying ambition used to be a priority and now it is not okay got it I don't know that's that's what I'm going with I don't know I was just like there's a lot of circumstances in here and like well all of those were choices and you just don't you like your priorities well, sure. change I mean, and then you're complaining that you didn't your ambition didn't pay off it's like well your ambition could have you just chose to quit Which so ambition fine. i looked it up because now i was like i inter- am i interpreting this incorrectly ambition is simply a strong desire to do or achieve something and she no longer has the desire to do or achieve something typically requiring determination and hard work or her ambition has changed and her, she has a strong desire to achieve something in motherhood. Well, I guess I just, it comes off to me as complaining and a little bit whiny, which is fine. But like, I don't think there's anything wrong in saying that I no longer have ambition to do whatever I want to do, but that's a choice. So stop. why are you bitching about it? You made a choice. Well, she's not, she just, you said it's fine if you want to, to stop doing that. And she's just telling you she wants to stop doing it. Okay. You never would have read it if it hadn't been for me. So, well, I, to be fair, I still didn't read it. I just listened to what you said. <laughs> so that was my interpretation of what you read. Oh my God. You're ridiculous. So sorry about it. Um, okay. Do you want to my- talk about Kim? So Kim, since you brought her up and she's in this article, did you see that she was on GMA yesterday? I did not. My sister probably did, though. She well, she talked it. about how, like, where that soundbite came from. And again, however long, Kim Kardashian ain't really apologizing for it, which is fine. Um, but she said that obviously it came out of context. Mm, um, did it? But then they showed they showed the receipts, and <laughs> the the interview, which was like a large like a large Vanity Fair like Q and A section, and then the clip got like cut out and put on like tiktok or whatever Mm. and it showed the question that was previously in front of this that was like you know you've been in this industry for 20 years and you're famous for being famous how does that happen so kim's like first off i hate that question and like now i get she's like now i'm pissy because you just basically insulted me to my face that i don't do anything and so they were talking about social media in particular like you have this platform. So now are you just famous for having social media? Like you didn't have to do anything. And that's when she was like, no, like if you want to have a reality show and you want to have this big social media platform, you can't just sit there and not do anything. You actually have to get your ass up and work. And so she was speaking specifically according to the GMA and the receipts that they showed up with on the interview. Cause the context was in regard to people that have reality TV shows and are social media influencers. And that it just doesn't happen. Like it's, there's a lot of work. And so you can't just sit back and like not do anything. And she's like, I did never, never meant for that comment to be a broad generalization for like women in their jobs. Um, so again, that quote's going to be around forever. She's never going to get away from that either. But I just thought it was interesting to, to hear from her point where the context was coming from, um, specifically about reality TV shows and being a social media influencer. But that is interesting because I did not know the context. I just yes. and it was a GMA it. interview Multiple with times. the woman that I hate most on the news, Robin Roberts. <laughs> um, 
So you know how painful it was for me to watch that, but mm. Kim K was on it. So I had to give it, nice. give it a listen. My other parting thought was big news in the Sioux Falls. I saw big news. Did I see it? Do I know what's going you on? You probably did not see it. Um, Dave and Buster's is going to open next Friday in Sioux Falls. My, my God. They've been telling us that we were going to get a David Buster's they, probably this, since my twenties, which is when I would have gone to a Dave and Buster's. This article says there has been news that it's going to be a Dave and Buster's dating back to 2018. <laughs> so for Four years, you've been told that that Dave and Buster's is going to open, but it says feels like longer. That um, well, that's cool. I um, I went yep. to a few when I was on tour, and they were always fun. They're but. fun. They have good food. So Monday, Monday, April fourth, the ribbon cutting cutting is at ten thirty in the morning, and they'll mm-hmm. be open seven days a week, starting at eleven. So there you go for all those people that have hoped and prayed that. Mm-hmm. I would, would have come. put the ribbon cutting at four. There, so people would say. There, there it is. So what's your party thought? Um, I wanted to give an update on my shit busting weekend. Okay. Where I did actually get some things done, but I got more things done on Sunday, including I filed. Um, there's a, there was an Aflac claim sitting in my inbox. So mm. I filed that. I paid all of my medical bills for my appendectomy and I filed that AFLAC claim. Then I was digging for something else in my Gmail, found a different AFLAC claim that I hadn't done from 2020. And as I was looking through, like, did I file that? Did I not? Whatever. (laughs) Um, I didn't do my, you get money for doing um, like basically primary care with your cancer policy. So pap smear, mammogram, Mm. mole check, that kind of thing. And I hadn't qualified for that. So I've already gotten paid for that. That was $75. So I have three claims pending there. Wowzers. But glasses, which I have been putting off since Mm. the beginning of March. And I um, got, I had a random online only gift card. And you know how easy those are to lose track of (laughs) because you can't put them in your wallet. And then I wrote it down January 6th. I don't even use that planner anymore because I switched planners and I, Ugh. it was 18 bucks, 1890. And I managed to buy something online that was 1490. So Impressive. I managed to use the random gift card within $5. So I didn't leave money just out there in the universe. Can you like use the remainder on something else and pay the extra? It depends on what site you're on. Some mm. sites will let you use multiple cards, but some won't and that's why i was like trying to find something that was close to that and that was the book i wanted so all right very good um i still have not if for all of you keeping track um i've not figured out how to fix my wine fridge nor have i put um together my new office chair that i bought in november well there's another weekend coming up so i believe (laughs) you um that reminds me don't forget to your you know tax day is coming up so if you haven't done your taxes yet Get going. Uh, taxes aren't even on the list yet. But go- I you're going to get money back. Why are you not doing that? Hello. We go through the same conversation every year. <laughs> Why are you giving the government more money? Um, you're just getting more interest when you could have had that, that shit in January. I guess. Because right. I was waiting for to see if I got what, like an I-90 or whatever the freelancing thing I get is. And then 
um, I was like, well, I didn't get that because I didn't make that much money last year with that client. And so then I was like, well, I'll just do it after Spain. And then I didn't go to Spain and I was sad. So that's why I haven't done the taxes. (laughs) All right. All right. That works. That's a good, good way to clarify, Cam. That was a good one. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, let's go start the day. Okay. All right. Bye -bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Our Point. To stay up to date and for links of the articles that we discussed in this podcast, join us on Facebook and Twitter at Our Point Podcast. If you have articles that you would like us to discuss, feel free to tag us on Facebook or Twitter, or you can also email us at ourpointpodcast at gmail.com.